Good morning, dear friends. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Um, I want to I want to mention a few names to you. This is kind of for myself, but we're going to do a, a tiny little exercise um, before we jump into our text this morning. Um, I'm going to m- mention a few names: um, Mickey Elliott, Karen Carroll, June Bergaller, Georgia Settle. Sarah Yohannan. These are some of the women who have most impacted me in my life, especially in the faith. My own dear mom, Sarah, has been now with the Lord since 2016, and I can't tell you how, how hard it feels on Mother's Day to just want to sit at her table, want to eat her food, want to hear her voice again, and I'm sure many of you feel similarly. There was a time in my life where I used to wear cardigans all the time, and it was uh, because one of my heroes was a man named Mr. Rogers. (laughs) You remember Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, some of you? Now there is Daniel Tiger for kids these days on the cartoon. It's just from an offshoot of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but Mr. Rogers... Fred Rogers used to always come in into the studio, his sort of uh, home, and, and take off whatever he was wearing. It could be a blazer, and then put on this red cardigan. And so I can't tell you um, how much he uh, ministered to me when I was just a little kid. His quiet voice, his gentle voice, his kindness, his ability to to speak to kids and their emotions like anger and grief and things like that. Um, you may not know, he's an ordained Presbyterian elder. Um, and they, the church actually said, we want you to extend the Gospel through this work to children, um, through um, children's television, but he served as an elder. As I mentioned Woodrow Wilson last week, it was a kind of a highlight of Mr. Rogers' life to serve um, as an elder in the church. But I'm going to take a page out of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood for a minute. Um, some of you may have already known this or seen this or heard this, but he had um, the practice of helping people to reflect well. And one time he did this with a, a huge crowd as they were trying to honor him. He said, I want to give you 30 seconds just for yourself, to reflect on all the godly women and men who have made an impact in your life to get you to where you are today. In different spheres of life, but especially in your faith. And then he said, I'll I'll keep time, you just reflect and give thanks. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds. As we finish this whole section on godly conduct for worship and men and women in the church and it being Mother's Day, I'm going to give you 30 seconds and I want you to look as far back as you can. Whether it was your own mother or someone who was a mother to you or men who were fathers to you who invested in your life and think of all that they did for you. Go.
Amen. As you probably thought of some of those people, maybe tears come to your eyes as you begin to remember that some of them are no longer here, but they've left such a mark. And we should be so grateful for not only the mother figures, but the father figures in our lives. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the privilege of coming together as your people to be around um, one another in the spirit of truth and grace. And we thank you that you have called to worship you in spirit and in truth. And uh, Lord, I pray that you will bless our time around your holy word, which is precious. It is inerrant and infallible and it is perfect for us. Lord, um, as the honeycomb, sweet to our soul. And my prayer is that you would give us eyes to see your son better. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We come to um, this section on officers. And I'm talking about deacons today because last week I talked about elders. And um, part of the reason that we are given this is to show us how to help the church to work right correctly and to grow and to prosper and do you realize that the foundation of all of this including the sections that we did on godly conduct for worship for men and women is that god tells us what's the best way to do life god tells us what will grow his church god tells us how to do life together and to please him so that we can ultimately worship him and bring glory to him I grew up in a church that didn't have both elders and deacons, both offices. We had a committee of spiritual leaders. And I often wondered as I began to read the Bible more and more, I was like, what happened to the deacons? How come we have elder types, but we don't have deacons? And as I studied and read more and more, I began to realize that many churches don't have what we do here at Trinity. Or in... Presbyterian circles or churches that have two offices as given by Jesus, office of elder and office of deacon. And I I just want to tell you, it's not trying to wave the flag of our denomination or anything, but there is a biblical reason why we're doing it. And thank God that we're doing it because it's biblical. The Scriptures, the New Testament Scriptures give us, look at Philippians 1.1. It talks about elders and deacons. There are two offices that are given, and if we neglect one at the expense of the other, that's not biblical. It is not good for the church. The church will go off track. In fact, I told you last week, the the little church I grew up in, God bless it, I, I, I still think that there are so many wonderful and godly people in it. They had a problem because they didn't actually hold up the qualifications for officers of the way that they should have. And sooner or later, what you see is the church begins to, begin to go off track. So also, if we don't have deacons along with elders, we have a lopsided church. We don't have a church that can be fully healthy in order so that we can worship and bring maximum glory to Christ, to God. And so I'm so thankful that our church does it. Now, do we do it perfectly? No. There are churches that do it better than us and churches that do it worse than us. But thank God that we have these instructions. God's Word is given to us so we will know how to behave, how to operate, how to do life together in the church. So I want to tell you first and foremost, God's Word is so precious and perfect to give us what we need. I'm going to give you 
um, three points so that you will at least know the direction that we're going. The first is the purpose. Why did Jesus give us this office as a gift? And I mentioned last week that it's a gift. God gave this as a gift to the church. And so you shouldn't say, don't want that gift. No, thank you. When Jesus gives you something, it's because you really need it. And we need it. We shouldn't neglect it. Secondly, the qualifications. What are the qualifications that He, Jesus, requires? Remember last week or a couple weeks ago, I said, this is not for any man, any walking, talking, breathing, warm-blooded human being who is a male. This is not for any male. These are for qualified men who we see spiritual maturity and growth and who are able to lead others. And so what are the qualifications that He, Jesus, requires? Thirdly, the task, the work. What is the deeper meaning of the work of the deacon? And then, in conclusion, I'm going to talk about God's perfect design again and and another angle, maybe another look at why God gives us these the way that He gives them, particularly for the office of elder and deacon. Well, let me, um, let me start by, by giving you a definition. Deacon comes from two parts, and in the Greek it comes like this. The word dia, which means thoroughly, and the word konis, which actually means dust. It's not interesting, these two words. I'm sure I've shared this before on a previous sermon, but I want you to think about this. Properly interpreted, it it means something like this. Thoroughly raise up dust by moving in a hurry and in so doing to minister. I love that. So think about this. It's as if deacons are moving. They're not sitting still. They're moving, kicking up dust as they go in order to look for needs and to meet those needs. I love that about the diaconate. I think I've mentioned um, several years ago, you know, if, if I had a perfect choice in the sense of I could just do whatever I want, I'd love to be a deacon, even more than being an elder. Because I love being able to do practical, helpful, useful things with my hands, with my feet, with my time. And so think about that. To raise up dust by moving in a hurry and in so doing to minister spiritually. It is a sacred service. So first to understand the, um, the, the sort of the, the purpose of the office of deacon, I want to lay out a principle here. Um, it literally means the word servant. And so even the Apostle Paul was called a deacon Uh, using that language. Many other people served, and that word is in in the Greek for applied to many, many people, but these are, this has become a formal office in the church. The office of elder and the office of deacon has become formal offices in the church with a real purpose. And what is the purpose? It is to serve one another and to meet the needs of the members um, and so that the world around us will not only so we will benefit, benefit, but the world around us will take notice. I want to make a statement here, and maybe you've heard this before, but I'm going to say it 
again for, for sake of clarity. The Great Commission to go out into the world and make disciples. I re- remember this when I was a college student. My discipler said this to me, Jake, the Great Commission is not so great without the Great Commandment. And I thought about that and thought about that. And really, this is, this is what John thirteen thirty four and 35 says. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love uh, for one another. And what is the great commandment? This is Jesus in John 13 that I just read. But the great commandment Jesus gives in Matthew 22, and He said to him, this is what it says, and He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Brothers and sisters, we are all called to this, but officers especially, those who are elders and deacons in this room, I want to tell you, is love your primary goal. Is loving the way Jesus has given this commandment. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Does that drive you? Do you realize that it's also evangelistic? According to that verse, all people will know that you are my disciples if you do it this way. Listen to this uh, comment from Charles Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon, great preacher, um, English preacher, who once said that true love is measured by the degree to which the one loving is willing to subject himself to crosses and losses to suffering and self-denials. Are you willing to go to the degree that you can love and be subject to crosses to carry and losses to endure and to suffering and self-denial? The Great Commission is hindered when the Great Commandment is disregarded. But the world will know that we are Christians supremely by our love. So why did Jesus provide this gift and blessing of deacons? Its purpose is um, even deeper than you might, than you, than, than you might realize. Um, we'll come to this. It, to work, let, let, let me say this. There is a holistic purpose to what God is doing here between the elder and the deacon to minister spiritually to our souls, but also to minister practically to our bodies, to our physical needs, to our felt needs, to our material needs. And there is this, this amazing, beautiful picture that is provided through these qualified men. And um, Jesus loves us, as I mentioned last week in closing. And so... That love needs to be tangibly manifested in our congregation. And I see that so much through our diaconate. I want to tell you, when I was a young man, as first as a, in my first years of being in the ministry, and particularly here at Trinity, I will tell you that the, the deacons at this church, at Trinity Presbyterian Church, impacted me more than anyone else. As I watched them minister to my own family, as I watched them minister to other families. I remember we had just had EJ, and Jaya's mom and dad had come from New York 
to come and visit us. And so we're living in a house in McKinney. And we had a, a little bit of a bigger backyard, and it's the summer. And I'm, I'm thinking, I really need to get this crag grass cut before mom and dad come from New Jersey. And I, I want to at least look like we're doing, um, you know, staying on top of stuff. I never got around to it. I, I just couldn't get everything done fast enough between new baby, getting work done at the church. And one Saturday morning, we are sitting at the breakfast nook, and I hear a lawnmower in my backyard. So open up the shades and look outside. And there are three men who were deacons here at Trinity Presbyterian Church, more than 20 years older than me, each one of them, with several mowers mowing my grass without my permission. (laughs) And I went out there because I was like, please stop. I want to say, it's too hot, don't do it. And they looked at me and said, you need to let us serve you, brother. And it went so far. So I let them. It was one of the greatest examples of blessing to me as I realized I need to let people serve me within the body. I need to give in. I need to surrender. I need to need them just as... as I want them to need me. So let me go into the qualifications that Jesus gives. And there's a list again, and so I want to kind of go through some of them as quickly as I can. Remember, some of these are similar to the qualifications for elder. And um, some of them are slightly noted slightly differently, but these are given to us because God's Word knows what we are to look for. You know, we are in nomination month now. Hey, this is not a joke. You put a wrong officer in office, guess what you need to do? Ask them to stop. That's what Timothy had to do. If the right man is not in office and he's not qualified, it will hurt your church. And Timothy had to undo, un, undo some officers in office. I don't want to have to do that. We don't want to have to do that here at Trinity. And so the qualifications are what the Scriptures lay out for us. Let me read it. Verse 8 and onwards again. Deacons likewise, just like the elders, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Let the deacons each be the husband of one wife. That's similar to what we heard last week, right? Managing their children and their own households well. So what are these qualifications? Let me go through them quickly. Dignified. Well, that word wasn't given for the elders. Are the elders not to be dignified? No. We are all to be dignified. And it's similar to the wording that was given for elders where it talks about above reproach. So dignified isn't here just meaning um, uh, as the typical way you think about dignity. It means that this man carries himself with godliness, above reproach, that someone can't say, oh, that, that person's not spiritual, that person's not godly. And it's not just for outwardliness, it's inwardly characteristics. He's dignified in his thinking, his way of looking at the world, his attitudes. And as I said, 
similar to being above reproach as mentioned for the elders and worthy of respect. These are what dignified men are called to be. Um, Not double-tongued. You know, as I was reading through some commentaries, I'm especially thankful for Dan Doriani's commentary, which my brother Jeff gave me. Brother, thank you. I didn't have that copy. And I'm so thankful for reading a more modern commentary along with ancient ones, old ones. Benefited from great commentary on Timothy by Robert Yarborough, for those of you who would like to go deeper. Um, Dan Doriani, of course, and there's many others. But um, Doriani mentions um, a few things on this double-tongued aspect. He says, do you remember Pilgrim's Progress? <laughs> and in the book Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, he has a parson in the story called Mr. Two Tongues. What is that all about? In the church... Mr. Two Tongues. It can mean you say one thing to one person and you go over here and say something to somebody else. It could also mean you say something, but you do something else. It's hypocrisy. And Jesus' qualification says, don't be double-tongued. Don't be called a Mr. Two Tongues. Not addicted to much wine. Here, um, just like we talked about last time, it it doesn't mean that you can't have a drink. You know, 1 Timothy 5, you'll see uh, mention of a little wine. We're not against having some wine or something, you know, in moderation. But literally, it talks about not lingering over your wine. Because once you linger over your wine, you begin to linger over other things. Your responsibilities and your, your, your ability to do things responsibly. So I'm going to leave that there. Not greedy for dishonest gain. A deacon is someone who serves others and not looking to serve or help himself first. There are so many people, right, who are in the ministry for the wrong reasons. And sometimes they do it because they want to be well-known and then get ahead because of it. Self-gain. Are there examples of this in the Scriptures, people? Of people who are hungry for money and use the ministry for it? Are there examples in today's world of people who use the ministry for money and dishonest gain? Absolutely. I want you to listen to John 12. This is not a deacon, but prime example. John 12 Four to six. But Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Do you hear the scriptures calling him a thief before the betrayal? And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Let's not be that. Let's not have officers who are looking for self-gain and trying to all about the money and all about getting ahead and it should be the opposite. Now let's look at a few of the other things, especially some of the positives. Verse 9, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. 
Let me just mention a couple things here. Um, mystery is here not something that means like we still can't figure it out. We don't know what the scriptures are saying. We don't understand. This is, this is going to be a game. We've got to figure out who did it or whatever. This is mystery of the faith as in the sense of the glories of the faith that once were hidden, but now are revealed, especially in our Lord Jesus. This is something that we may not always think about, but it's an important qualification that when hard things come into our lives, that we don't quit that we don't retreat, that we hold on to the truths of our faith, that we hold on to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience to the end. We keep going. We don't throw in the towel. We are officers who are setting an example to the congregation. And some of the, 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 the background of that is that it involves sound doctrine that officers, and here deacons especially, are to be orthodox in their knowledge of Scripture and theology, the basic doctrines of the faith. So, uh, yeah, yes, I'm speaking to the choir, but those of you who may not have time, taken time to really look at this before, I want to give you something from Doriani's book. Every one of our officers, deacons included, who are not necessarily called to have the gift of teaching or must be apt to teach are supposed to understand the sound doctrines of the faith, the gospel, the beauty of what Jesus has done and who we are so that they can communicate that as they minister to the sick or visit the prisoner or do whatever they do when they, they go and meet the felt needs of the church. What are some of these mysteries? They are the basic doctrines that one God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That God created everything there is out of nothing. That humanity sinned against God and has thereby come under judgment. That out of His great love, God the Father sent God the Son into the world to save sinners. That Jesus Christ is both God and man. That Jesus gave His life as an atoning sacrifice when He died on the cross for our sins that everyone who believes in the Son by the power of the Spirit will receive eternal life, and that these mysteries are revealed in the Bible, which is the infallible Word of God, inerrant and perfect for us, sweet to our souls. So every deacon and every elder, but especially I think it's given here because deacons aren't necessarily called to teach, but they must be people of sound doctrine. They must know the gospel well. They must believe it in their hearts and use it as they minister the practical needs of the church, even if they're not teaching a Sunday school lesson. That's what Doriani is getting at. Deacons must believe and defend these basic principles of the Christian faith. I hope you get it loud and clear here. We are gospel people, setting an example of gospel witness. Okay, let me keep going here. Um, then it goes into this section on wives. Why does it do that? So there's been some, you know, different interpretations that actually the word there doesn't mean wives, but it means women in general. And so maybe it means that women are given some qualification lists 
or a list of qualifications so to be deaconesses in the church? I really don't think it means that because the word deacon, I mean the word woman in the next verse actually, the word translated actually means wives. It doesn't mean just woman. So I don't think it's a list that's being given in addition to the qualification for men to be deacons for women likewise to be deaconesses. I don't think that's what it's saying here. I think it's actually talking about a requirement for the wives of those men who are ordained to be deacons. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Um, Why does Paul give this to Timothy? I think particularly for this office, I, I believe it's because when you do ministries of mercy and you go and visit the poor, you visit the sick, and you help people practically, in so many ways, the wives are included in this ministry. They do it together. I know at times when I'm dealing with a family where a woman has gone through a miscarriage or some other hurt. I, it means so much that I have Jaya with me so that we can talk together. So it's not just a man talking. So it's, we're, we're ministering together, right? And so there is a practical care need that's ha- that happens as the deacon and his wife set an example for others in the church to follow. And they do it with godly characteristics. So I'm not going to go too much, but notice some of the words. Dignified, not slanderers. Wives of officers, be careful how you speak. Be sober-minded. Faithful in all things. Remember that passage? Adorned with good works. That applies here as well. Okay, thirdly, the deeper work of the deacon. The deeper and real work of the deacon. There's stuff beneath the surface here. God gives us some foundational things. And I'm going to talk about two areas, especially Old Testament and New Testament. But we already talked that the, about the, the basic idea of the diaconate is to care to meet the physical needs of the church, but it goes so much deeper than that. Let me say it this way. We are called to worship. And we want one another within the body of Christ to worship. But there are hindrances to worship. Do you realize that? It can even be not having a meal. You come here to church hungry, not only do we hear your stomach growl, but you might be highly distracted because you are not well. You're not sleeping well. You haven't been eating well. You don't have enough. You worry about finances. And so we are called, especially within the diaconate, to notice those things and to go and say, we want to alleviate some of those concerns as best as the church can do so that you can worship, so that you can have clarity of mind, so that your body can be held up so that you're not in church and just hurting physically. We want to try to alleviate some of these peripheral needs and concerns so that you can be here and worship. I want to read you some things um, from the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus. I want to read you a few verses. Do you realize that the Lord throughout the Old Testament 
expresses a great concern for those who are needy and oppressed and poor. And he even says to Israel, he warns Israel of the great wrath and vengeance to those who afflict the needy and who do not help them. Listen to me again. That the Lord speaks in no uncertain terms of his wrath and vengeance to those who afflict the needy and do not help them. So listen to a few of these verses. Exodus 22. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. Wow. Deuteronomy 15, 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command what I command to you this day. Deuteronomy 16, 12, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe all these statutes. He says that in multiple places in Deuteronomy. Leviticus 25, 42, it says, for they are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt they shall not be sold as slaves. Do you know what God is saying through these Scriptures? He's saying, when I have made you a people for Myself, when I have redeemed you, when I have freed you from Egypt and brought you into the Promised Land, I want you to be free and able. I want you to be without fear. I want you to be unencumbered because I brought you out of Egypt to worship Me. To be worshipers. I love that. And so, I want to, without going so deep, further deep into those passages, the Lord is saying, I will provide. I will free you. I will help you. But I'm going to use my church also to remind you that you are freed for a reason and that God's grace was given to you and now you must extend that grace to others. Let me go quickly to the New Testament. What is the, the origin of the context of appointing the first deacons? Well, it's Acts 6, 1-7. to So let me read this for a moment and then we'll come to some final comments. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, those are the Greek-speaking Jews, arose against the Hebrews, the Hebrew-speaking Jews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. But we, meaning the apostles, we will devote, devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Verse 5, And what they said pleased the whole gathering of all the disciples there at the Jerusalem church, and they chose Stephen, number one, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, two, Philip, three, Procurus, fourth, Nicanor, five, Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas. There are seven altogether that were appointed, and these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and they laid their hands on them. By the way, that's why we get this call to ordain them, which we're going to do next week. We lay our hands on them and pray over them and ordain them to this task. 
So I want to give you two key aspects before we close of the purpose or the deeper meaning. I gave you some context, Old Testament and New Testament, and two key aspects that I want you to walk away with. First, they're meeting the felt needs and practical needs of those within the church. Did those seven men meet the needs of the Greek-speaking widows because they were being neglected in their food distribution? Yes. So within the church, there was a benefit that was happening. They were being fed. They were being cared for. And secondly, the other aspect is they are helping with the daily ministry so that the apostles can devote themselves more time to prayer and preaching and the teaching of the Word. Here's what I'm getting at. It has a multi-aspect benefit. We're serving those within our body. And deacons, you're supposed to have keener eyes. You're supposed to notice before people even come to you. Pastor Jeff always used to say this to me, we want elders and deacons to work together so that they make a beeline to somebody who's in need before they even have to come to us. you got to keep your eyes open for those who look distraught or those who look hungry or those who look like they're hurting. And the other aspect is by doing their work that God has gifted them to do. Because God gifts some of you with compassion and empathy and the ability to recognize and to go and do something about it by using your hands and your feet and helping someone with a need in their home or whatever, you allow the elders to do what they are called to do, which is to preach and teach God's Word. And when all that happens, this is the result. Verse 7, And the Word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is not an incidental closing final little verse or statement here. Listen, and the word of God continued to increase. Word of God growing means the church is growing. And how does the word of God grow? By the teaching of the word, by shepherding, by preaching, by teaching. How does that happen? Because the elders and the apostles are doing it, right? The apostles did it, now the elders are doing it. How do the elders get to devote time to that? By the deacons doing their part, by freeing them up, by taking care of the needs of the whole church. What a significant statement. Do we want our church to grow and to be healthy? We need elders and we need deacons, and we need good elders and good deacons, not just anybody. Those who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom as we saw in Stephen. Brothers, do you um, have the eyes to see and move towards people in need, kicking up the dust, not waiting, hurrying? That's what deacons are called to do. And to be so full of the Gospel that it comes out even if you don't teach a lesson. To be full of sound doctrine so that the Gospel oozes out. I need to finish here, but 
I have one last word because we need to wrap this section up. You know what the number one complaint is against the church? They're full of hypocrites. I don't want to go there. They say one thing, but do something else. There are a bunch of Mr. Two Tongues. Do you realize that the Lord has given elders and deacons to the church as a gift to say, come and see men who are holy and godly, who say what they mean and mean what they say, and they are not hypocrites. He has purposefully, out of love, given the gifts of elders and deacons to the church to say, no, my church, the true church, are genuine, holy people, not hypocrites. Come, watching world, come and see and receive the good news. That's what this is all about. I want you to give thanks for your elders and deacons. I want you to listen to them. I want you to apply what they're telling you. I want you to read God's Word and grow together. Let's pray together. Father, I am so thankful for allowing us to look at this passage also, just as we did last week. Father, may we, um, may we be so zealous to follow Your Word as we seek out men who will fill the role of deacons and elders within our church. Thank You for the diaconate. Thank You for the men who are serving now. Thank You for the men who have come before and who have served and some who are now with the Lord. Like Jeff Sherman, who made it such an impact in my life. And oh Lord, I, I pray that You would grow us and that the outside world would come and say they are true. They're undeniable. They have something that I want. So Lord, bless our little church and your church at large. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.